Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Remember when Moses was 40, uh, he killed an Egyptian. He was a Jewish, Jewish baby who was rescued by an Egyptian princess and raised as royalty. And when he was 40 years old, he was fed up with the persecution of his people being enslaved by the Egyptians and killed an Egyptian slave driver and then fled into the wilderness for 40 years hiding. And then the Lord sent him back, having spoke to him through the burning bush, to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It's an incredible, unique story in history that is unlike any other that you'll ever hear. And God uses him to persuade Pharaoh to let his slaves go. I mean, you know, wreck your economy. (laughs) Without a civil war, they let their slaves go free. And... Then Moses wound up having to lead them in the wilderness for 40 years. And in his impatience one day, God says, okay, you are not going to enter the promised land yourself. You'll see it. And so here he is. He's reached the end of this third 40-year period of his life. He's about to pass over, um, but not this Jordan. He's about to pass over the other Jordan. He's not going to pass over this Jordan into the promised land. And the Lord has him do something in verse 7. Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. He called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one. Can we say that? He is the one. He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. Can we say he will be with you? He will not leave you. Can you say, he will not leave you? Nor forsake you. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Verse 14, the Lord seconds it. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. Now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. This is this tent that the Jews worshipped in that, that Moses had set up. And there, verse 23, the Lord inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Now, bear with me now. Let's look at one other passage. Turn to the next book, the book of Joshua, the first chapter. Now Moses has died, and the Lord comes along and says all these things to him again. Joshua 1.1 After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Notice that, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, 
that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you may go. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we've heard the reading of your word today. These portions of scripture about the inaugurating of Joshua and him stepping in into in this role of being a leader that you gave him. I pray, Lord, that we would draw truths from his story today that would apply to our lives in relevant ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to speak to you this morning on a subject entitled Leadership, Leadership. I know that leadership's probably not in the dictionary. I think somebody wrote a book called Leadership. I've not read that book. But we, our text today is about the shifting of leaders. Uh, Moses is being replaced. And by preaching this today, I'm not saying that I'm going to be replaced, per se, but I'm saying we are in a season, I believe, that the Lord is going to raise up more leaders in this house. And it's a call to get ready. And if this isn't the season for you, it's a call to get ready anyway because it goes beyond the walls of a church facility and the assembly of a congregation. It affects your entire life. Why speak about leadership? Why be ready for leadership shifting? The economy. I mean, how stable is your job? Not necessarily stable. So we must be willing to change. We must be willing to step up, as it were, to be strong and very courageous, to step into what the Lord is opening up for us. So if somebody asks, hey, does somebody want to do another job and you hate change, guess what? You're probably not going to make the leadership shift on the job. You may be the one they let go. Um, Maybe an opportunity opens as something of, of a more stable job, but it's not something you've ever done before, and it would get you out of your comfort zone You've got to be willing to step out of the rut into God's will. Amen? A rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. Pastor Kenneth Phillips in Austin, Texas used to say that. Be ready for leadership shifting in the Alpha Course. We've got some people in leadership that have never been in leadership before through this thing. Each table is hosted by a person or a couple of persons and are helped by a person or a couple or three persons in some cases who help these discussions to get going, to help uh, a shy person not to feel left out because then one of the helpers will kind of be shy so they don't feel left out, Um, to help arguments to keep from breaking out because atheists will argue with each other as much as they'll argue with Christians. So it's an an opportunity, and and it could grow. It could be even bigger than what we think it is. I could be calling some of you on the phone and say, hey, here's an opportunity. Do you want to do it? So it's a challenge today to consider the Lord doing more with you than ever before. Our church is is in a growing stage. Um, I'm not into numbers, but I'm not into people going to hell either. And if God wants to grow our church, let him do it. Amen. We're doing our best to get out of the way so that he can send people to us so that we can minister to them. And with that being, uh, a prophet who I trust called me last Sunday and left a message on my phone and prophesied, and he kind of put his name on the line, that we are to believe for 300 people by the end of the year. Well, if we grow to that, we're going to have to go to two services. 
Well, if we go to two services, we've got to have more leaders. In case you don't, under, don't understand, a leader is a servant. <laughs> Someone who goes before others so others can follow and be served by him going before them. And so consider it. Um, the Lord may want to raise you up in new capacities in this house, on your job, in this outreach we're doing called the Alpha Course. It's actually an inreach as well because it... it uh, disciples new believers it evangelizes unbelievers and it equips mature believers to be able to communicate the gospel in relevant ways Uh, the british have a way of respecting people's dignity and americans we really need to learn that because we get in one another's business don't we we just get all up in one another's business and and uh, to a stranger that could be highly offensive highly offensive so jesus told us to be harmless as doves And be wise as serpents. So if an atheist at your discussion table wants to spout off his theories of why there is no God, just listen to him. Respect his dignity. He was created in the image of God, right? I'm not talking about compromising the truth. We're not so insecure that we have to jump down the throat of every single person that says something that's not correct, right? Even as Christians, it pays to be polite to one another, right? Some churches are so quick, the believers are so quick to rebuke one another. You know, you say one, light, one little thing that sounds like complaining and they're ready to jump all over you. And you're not complaining, you're just pouring your heart out where you're at. So, hallelujah, it's about grace. By grace are we saved. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So anyway, back to this sermon though. I've preached that one already. So. How to be ready for leadership shifting. To be able to shift into leadership, we must be faithful. Joshua was faithful. He was faithful to serve wherever the opportunity came up. And I think in Exodus 17, he led a battle against Amalek. And Moses, the real leader, is up on the mountain sitting on a rock with his hands raised. And Joshua was faithful to serve his leader and his people on the battleground while his leader's up there just sitting on a rock with his hands raised. I mean, how useless could that be? Yet he remained faithful to his leader. And what his, le- what his leader was doing was praying. It was an act of intercession. And as long as his hands were raised, Joshua won the battle. In Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law came to visit him and say, look, you know, it's like a million and a half people. And Moses is trying to do everything in terms of counseling the people and ministering to the people and settling their disputes. I used to live in a Christian trailer park, 30 trailers, and there could be disputes that that would arise just among that few people. Can you imagine a million people? Uh, uh, Imagine a community of 50,000. Just go to City Hall in Granbury. Just watch the Granbury channel. You can see People don't get along easily. So sometimes it takes a peacemaker. And it was wearing Moses out. So his father-in-law, Jethro, said, look, this isn't right. You need to appoint leaders of 10, people who can deal with squabbles between 10 people, leaders of 50, leaders of 100, and leaders of thousands, and let them bring the really difficult cases to you. No doubt Joshua was one of those people that God raised up. There was another occasion where the Lord poured out his spirit on those called to help Moses lead. They began to prophesy. And I believe Joshua was one of those people as well. He was an awesome man. When Moses sent out, ten, t- sent out 12 spies into the promised land, 10 came back with a, back re- with a bad report. 
said, man, we look like grasshoppers compared to those people. Their cities are walled, they're this or that. They complained so much, they scared the people, and the people turned against Moses, and God says, all right, y'all are going to die in the wilderness just like you said I brought you out here to do, and your children will take the promised land. And so hence began the 40 years of wandering. Well, Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that had guts enough to stand up and say, look, that's not right. God is able to give us land. Is a man of courage, even at his young age. A faithful man. Faithful in his early years as a slave and in 40 years of wandering. To be able to shift into leadership, we must be loyal. Um, Joshua witnessed some rebellions in the land. I mean, it was, there was Moses' brother and sister turned against him there for a period of time. Joshua witnessed that. Uh, there was, remember Korah, the sons of Korah? Joshua witnessed that. He never fell into that. He remained loyal to his leader. Now, let's just talk about our employment. Your boss may be a heathen. He may not be the greatest man around. But he is an authority over his company. And God is using him or her to be a source of provision in our life. Why should that person promote us if we are disloyal to them and and join in with the back talk the bad mouthing that happens around the water cooler or in the lunchroom or whatever. Am I talking to somebody here today? It must be the church down the road. <laughs> to be able to shift in leadership, we must be patient. I mean, I don't know how old Joshua was when they left um, Egypt. The scholars in the house will no doubt tell me when I'm done. And I appreciate that because then I will never forget again. I've forgotten it. But... He had to endure this 40 years of wandering when he knew they were able to take the promised land. And they wouldn't listen to him. He remained patient. Leaders must be patient. Moses, in his impatience, murdered the Egyptian when he was 40 years old. And in his impatience, when he was 120, he struck the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. So it was due to Moses' impatience that Joshua is replacing him. So leaders must be patient because people can work your nerves. People can. You can lay out a framework of what you want to do and they'll come up with something different. I know the Bible likens us to sheep, but in reality, leading people is like herding cats. Watch this. This man right here is my great-grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs, well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face, it's just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's... I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like in the world. (laughs) It takes patience to be a leader. Anybody in supervisory positions on the job? Anybody here? Does it take patience? 
like herding cats. Cattle. (laughs) To be able to shift into leadership, we must be courageous. He was told there in those passages we read in Deuteronomy 31 uh, and in Joshua 1 to be strong and of good courage four different times. And one time he was told to be strong and very courageous by God and Moses because it takes courage to be a leader. The word courage means the ability to face danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome by fear or being deflected from a chosen course of action. Uh, Being a good leader, we're talking about being courageous, not being controlling. Courage will cause you not to give up when people may turn against you. Controlling causes people to turn against you. (laughs) It will uh, deflate you. If you're leading and no one's following, you're not leading. You're just taking a walk. And people won't follow controllers. They're too rebellious. Anyway, so it takes courage to just be relentless. This is what I believe God has said and This is what we must do. Now, how can we do it? How can we work together? Having courage. How to be courageous. Use the courage you have. Anybody here go to first grade without your mama? Did that take some courage? And you went back the second day too, didn't you? How many finished school? (laughs) Took courage every day of your life. At least for me it did. So you have courage. Use it. Use it. Use it. Joshua had a track record of courage, and so the Lord appealed to the courage that was already there to be strong and of good courage. When David faced Goliath, he remembered the lion and the bear. And that gave him courage to face this uncircumcised Philistine. Use the courage you have. Do your best to be prepared. Sometimes fear grips our heart when we're not prepared. When I came to the church this morning at 5.15 and turned the computer on, the sermon was gone. I got to be courageous and start over again. Do your best to be prepared. It doesn't mean you can prepare for every single incident, but just live in a state of studying and learning and just stay ahead of those people that are called to follow you, whether it's on the job or at church or whatever. Don't be like Mahatma Gandhi who one day said, there go my people, I must catch them for I am their leader. (laughs) Be in front. Do your best to be prepared. And then it's easy to be courageous. You've got... You're not winging it. You're not faking it till you make it. Know that God is with you. Moses said, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. God said, and I will be with you. He also said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What did Jesus promise us? Where two or three are gathered in the midst, I am there. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. He is the Emmanuel. Isaiah 14 prophesied that God would send His Son. A virgin would conceive and His name would be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. So we are not alone. Can we say that? We are not alone. We're not alone. So we can be courageous. I have three questions for us today. Number one, what would you agree to do right now if you were not afraid? Number two, what would you agree to do right now if you knew you could not fail? Many times it's the fear of failure that holds us back, which locks us into a failure mentality. It's one thing to try and fail and to learn from your failure. It's another thing to not try and succeed at the same result. Number three, what would you agree to do right now if you knew God was with you? Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that the hearts of your people would be quickened by these questions. Those dreams that maybe once were there or those dreams that have not been allowed to burn in their hearts because of the lack of courage or fear, I pray, Lord, that they would realize that with you there is no failure. There's only lessons that we learn. And with you we're never alone. Lord, help us to step up to those opportunities that you send our way and to not shrink back in fear. In Jesus' name, amen. God promises to be with us, to never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us. But my final question is, are we with God? Are we with Him? He is with us, but are you with Him? I'm not talking about physical proximity. I'm talking about, is your heart with Him? You ever been with somebody who's not really with you? Yeah. Their mind is somewhere else. Maybe they're tired or they're distracted. Lord is with us, but are we with Him? Maybe at one time you followed the Lord closely. And some disappointments in life happened and, and you fell away or you were tempted in some way and you strayed away and you're no longer with the Lord like you were at one time. I've got good news for you. He hasn't moved. He's waiting for you to turn back to Him. Maybe you have never been with the Lord. You've never given Him your life. I want to proclaim the gospel to you today. The Bible is an amazing book written by 40 plus writers over a period of 1,500 years on three continents on many controversial subjects. It's an amazing volume. It's a library, as it were, of 66 books. A common theme throughout the books in the Old Testament 
is prophetically pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the New Testament is clearly revealing the Lord Jesus Christ. And history confirms that he came to the earth and lived and proclaimed himself to be the Son of God, proclaimed himself to be born of a virgin, proclaimed himself to be God. And as a result of that, the powers that be turned against him and put him to death. And God the Father, according to the Scriptures, allowed that to happen so that his son's death, which was totally undeserved, could be a sacrificial payment, a proxy sacrifice, as it were, to be applied to the case for every person that hears the gospel who will believe that Jesus died for their sins, they can be forgiven of their sins. You see, God forgives sins, but He goes way beyond that. He pays for sin. He balances the scale of justice. He sent His Son. And through the ultimate of sins, which was the death of His Son, the planet should have melted at that time, God paid the ultimate of price. I don't care how wicked you have been or are. You can receive the forgiveness of your sins because the Son of God paid for it on the cross 2,000 plus years ago. And history confirms that there was an empty tomb. Three days later, no one could find the body. They have yet to find it. He showed himself alive. There's the testimonies of, of several eyewitnesses in the Scriptures, of people that saw him. He showed himself alive to 500 people in one place. And he ascended back to heaven and sent back the Holy Spirit. And the church was born. And today, around the world, are millions of believers who believe in the story of the resurrection. And it all started in Israel, where the Son of God came. If you find yourself beginning to believe what I'm saying, this is faith that is being born in your heart. Faith comes when we hear the Word of God. God is beginning to speak to your heart. And I encourage you not to turn that away, but to open your heart to the ability that He has given you to believe in this impossible thing that God would send His Son to die in your place on the cross and to arise from the dead as your Savior. And if you will but believe that and put your faith in Him and say, I believe in you and I call on you to save me from my sins, you can be saved even today. Amen? God knows everything. He knows that you were going to be here today. He knows what I was going to preach when I didn't know. He knows it all. Yet there's three things he doesn't know. He doesn't know of a sin that he doesn't hate because sin separates us from him. And yet he doesn't know of a sinner who is separated from him that he does not love. And the third thing he doesn't know is he doesn't know of any way to save this sinner that he loves from the sin that he hates other than through a relationship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you tired of being separated from God? Receive Jesus today. There's a fourth thing he doesn't know. He doesn't know of a better time for you to be saved than right now. Today is a day of salvation. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And let's just bow our heads for a moment and pray this together. Father in heaven... I have heard the gospel today, and it is good news. 
Forgive me of my sins and make me clean. I now believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for my sins, and that He has risen from the dead. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I want to follow You. Be my leader and my Lord. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I want to talk to you after service. Come up to me and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And we'll do everything we can to help you in your walk with the Lord. Amen. Let's have some announcements.